oh my goodness, Becky, look at her Bible. It is so huge. She looks like one of those preacher guy's girlfriends. But, you know, who understands those preacher guys anyway? They only talk to her because she looks like Mother Teresa, okay? I mean, look at it. It's just so big. I can't believe it's so huge. Ugh. It's gross. Look, she's just so righteous. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Jen. And I'm Steve. We're here wading through the murky waters of what it means to be a Christian in modern society, one episode at a time. This episode, we're going to be looking at Christian media. If it's good, bad, should we use it? Should we insulate our lives entirely from the outside world? Now listen, we understand what you're thinking, everyone. Why are they talking about Christian media? Aren't they a part of it? Isn't their name Red Weather Christians? Yes, yes it is. And we realize that. And yet, we want you to understand that media with a Christian label does not mean it is inherently good, wholesome, or aesthetically pleasing. God desires excellence from us. In the same vein, secular media does not mean it is inherently evil, unwholesome, or aesthetically pleasing. So just take a moment and and recognize that when you only listen or read or watch Christian media, you are insulating your life and all your thoughts from the outside world. And I, I hope we can all recognize that that is unhealthy. And even though Steve and I identify as being Christian humans, we try our best to always keep an open mind continue learning in everything that we do, associate with all kinds of people. And yet, if we go to the Bible, we will find a couple verses where it specifically says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world as Christians. I'm going to read from 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. That seems really harsh. Do not love the world And in this context, I think that it's talking about the world as the secular world, the non-believing world. The sinful world. This verse just is weird to me. I it's one of those verses that I call into question because it seems like it's not what Jesus would say, right? Although he said it back in John. But Jesus was all about loving everyone. But not loving sin. So <laughs> so I'm confused. <laughs> Another way to interpret some of this is, let's take hobbies or interests and think about if they should be the end-all source of information or entertainment for your life. I like the Green Bay Packers. It was a surprise. <laughs> I have shirts and I have read books and I have my kids have shirts and all of the things. I watch their games. I cheer for them. I want my kids to cheer for them. You mean you indoctrinate your children to love the Green Bay Packers? Hopefully so, yes. <laughs> yes, and we can laugh about that, and we know that we're not taking it so seriously. Although I think people do take their <laughs> sports teams more seriously than even Steve does with the Packers. The idea, though, is that I would hope I don't only go to Green Bay Packers media to inform my kids about the world. Wow, that's absurd, Steve. 
clearly that's absurd. Right. So let's take a different scenario. This one's about horses. Yes, my friend, Jen is her name, actually. (laughs) Great name. She loves horses. She's in the horse industry. And she even has a horse podcast. Quick plug. It's called Equestrian B2B. So if you love horses, check it out. But, you know, even though she loves horses, as she's living life, she's not surrounding herself with only horse things, only horse media, even though there is horse media out there. She understands that the world is a lot bigger than horses. First thing I want to address is Christian music. Growing up through high school, I primarily listened to Christian music, which some people would look at this maybe with a frown on their face (laughs) or scoff at you or laugh at me or make fun of me. And I fully accepted that because I enjoyed the music. And what is music all about anyway? Enjoyment, right? Right. You, you dance to it, you sing along to it, but that the idea was it wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't also inherently good. There were there was some Christian music my parents did not appreciate. Oh, really? As in just it didn't sound good to them. It sounded too close to like rap. And we all know about rap. No, that's your dad. That was my dad. <laughs> He's like, turn this. Well, he would say, turn this shit off. <laughs> anyway, there's still that aesthetically pleasing aspect. And if you can find something that's aesthetically pleasing and Christian, great. It doesn't necessarily mean that Christian music is aesthetically pleasing. Well, that's the darn truth. (laughs) I I did not grow up listening to much Christian music. I mean, a little bit here and there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. When it came to music, my parents were heathens. So when I was a kid, the music that was playing from my parents' record player was not ever Christian. And then even when I was a teenager and listening to my own music, because, you know, my parents' music was such garbage, I I certainly was not listening to Christian music. Right. And yet I can still say I wear and have a shirt from the DC Talk Jesus Freak Tour in 1996. Wow. It is hanging in his closet right now. Another side of Christian music, though, is the industry that is worship music. And it is an industry. You go to church and you're singing your songs and you're not thinking about people are making huge amounts of money from writing and producing the song that I am singing right now to worship God to. And if we just look at it from a different angle, growing up in a small church, either this old lady named Hope or my sister would be playing the piano and we'd sing hymns. Nobody was paid for that gig. Right. And that was the same with me. I I grew up in a super small Baptist church. I played the piano and my grandma played the piano and they were hymns out of the Baptist hymnal. And now almost every church, evangelical church you go to, they will have a paid position for a music or worship leader. Yeah. And I, that's not like a bad thing or whatever, but I think it is good and helpful to understand that it is an industry and we have to remind ourselves that people are making money. And when people are making money, the motives, I think, can get a little muddied. Talk about muddied. Let's talk about (laughs) parody bands. Oh, gross. So these can be fun. Uh, We started 
We started this episode with one, in fact. Yes. We started it with that one because when we were talking about this episode, that was the one that popped into my head immediately. So if you know them, the real song is Baby Got Back. By it's Sir all Mi- about booties. By Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> this one is Baby Got Book by Dan Smith. Dan Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Such a normal name, Dan. We love you, Dan. If you were to look up some other parody bands, you'd find Apologetics, who has done lots of covers, one of which Jen admittedly started dancing to. I did? But I reminded her, or quickly told her, Oh, yes. Sorry, this is not the final countdown. This is... The Bible countdown. The music, the instrumental was exactly the same, or it sounded so similar that I thought it was the final countdown. And of course, who doesn't love the final countdown? I mean, come on, Arrested Development, anyone? Please. So that brings the point up about parody bands. Why do we like parody bands? Because they sound good still. Yeah. I mean, I think of Weird Al, too, and he was pretty funny. I think the humor element is the other reason. Like, they sound good, and they're funny. When you're trying to make a Christian version of a secular song for the sake of listening to the same music, but having Christian lyrics... uh... I mean, did people do that? Absolutely. And they weren't trying to just be funny. That was the problem. Okay, well, I am unfamiliar with this of which you speak. I heard the final, or sorry, the Bible, Bible's Countdown? The Bible, what was it? It's called the Bible Countdown by Apologetics. Okay, I heard that one, but is that what you're talking about? Like bands that are actually serious? Yes, they, they are trying to make a Christian message out of a secular song. Oh my, so Apologetics is the band? Yeah, they've done... Hundreds of songs. Hundreds! Uh, Oh, my. Well, uh, you listeners out there, you can feel free to look up apologetics if you want to get some good, wholesome messages into your system instead of just the secular garbage that's out there and still get the experience of listening to good music. If you like Boston and you like More Than a Feeling, you're sure to love More Than a Healing. More Than a Healing. That's great. So there's that. We're going to move from Christian music into Christian movies. Oh, my goodness gracious. I think we all know. Come on, people out there. Kirk Cameron. (laughs) That Christian movies are subpar. There are also some secular movies that are subpar. Yes, true. Very true. There could be a Christian movie that is good. That's okay. Is there, though? I mean, people like Remember the Titans. Was that Christian? Uh, I don't know that that was advertised as being Christian, per se. Anyway, the point is that there are plenty of Christian themes that make it into top-quality films. Sure, yeah. I think of a lot of the kids' movies that I've watched these days that are so good. They're so wholesome. One of my favorites, and Steve makes fun of me because I talk about this movie a lot, Trolls World Tour is so lovely. The message of people coming together, even through their differences. I mean, there are definitely kind of Christian themes in a lot of these movies that we watch, even though the movies aren't heralded as being Christian. 
And if you want to take a more specific Christ-like figure, someone who dies for the cause, we've got movies that are highly regarded in the Christian communities as well, like Braveheart oh, or, or Gran Torino. And they are good movies. They're all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that these secular movies have Christian themes and we can see that, we can find that, we can endorse that. We're like, that's that's a good movie. It doesn't have to be from the Christian media industry. Right. Listen, I don't think there are too many people listening right now who only watch Christian movies. I don't think that's much of a thing. So we're going to move on to Christian books. We have a couple of different ways we look at Christian literature. Some of it is just, hey, I'm a Christian. I want to read something about being a Christian so that I can feel good about reading and being a Christian. I think it's just a way that Christians can feel better about themselves because it's like, look at what I'm doing. I'm I'm a Christian and I'm reading this Christian book and therefore I'm a better Christian. And it's reinforcing a lot of your Christian ideas, which ends up being or acting more like an echo chamber. Yeah. So we've been talking about being insular echo chambers. We need to make sure that we are aware of things going on in the world. There's another type of Christian literature that I've read. Jen, have you read some of these as well? What are you talking about? We'll call them devotionals. Oh, no. boy. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read plenty of devotionals, especially as a teenager, when just going to the Bible and reading straight from the Bible was... As a teenager, I'm going to say it, boring or didn't feel like it applied to my life whatsoever and all these things. So I, being the Christian that I was, would read devotionals that were a little bit more applicable, easier to read, things of that nature. And I've read a lot of them throughout my lifetime and some of them are are nice, but again, we've got to make sure that we're not using these kinds of things to kind of show others that we're a better Christian because we're reading this devotional. And we can't overlook the fact that some of them are just simply shallow. And just written to make money. Just wrap your mind around that for a moment. We think maybe, oh, like it's a devotional, like it's just... The author simply wants me to bring me closer to God, and that's the author's only goal. You know what? You might be wrong. The author might want to make a quick buck. And how to make a quick buck? Religion. Oh my gosh, religion. People who are looking, seeking for these kinds of books. Right. Another kind that I haven't personally read, but that I think are out there, because there's at least a secular version of them, and Danielle Steele authors most of them. <laughs> I think I might know where you're going with this. I have dubbed this genre as puritanical romance. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. I had to ask Steve if he came up with that term, because I'm like, that is so good. That's got to be a straight-up genre in Christian books. And I don't know, maybe it is, but he came up with that out of his own brain. And really, it just means that they're romance stories but um, in bonnets <laughs> <laughs> but in bonnets or the christian romance version so long there's, dresses there's no premarital sex more to take off <laughs> <laughs> just kidding 
<laughs> anyway. That would just be alluded to. That would not be an actual scene in any of these books. Rest assured, Christians. And that, and that the courtship, because they kissed dating goodbye, uh, <laughs> is filled with, you know, trading favorite Bible scripture verses and things like that. Ooh, that's sexy time right there. <laughs> anyway, that exists. I mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't know if you would call it puritanical romance, but Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. I mean, what Christian woman out there has not read that book? Is it good? It's about a story from the Bible, Hosea, who ends up taking in and marrying a prostitute. And get the title, Redeeming Love. Because as a Christian, how could Hosea possibly love a prostitute, a woman in sin? And yet he feels God calling him to take her in and to marry her and to redeem her through his love. Okay, Moira. (laughs) (laughs) That was definitely Moira. Uh, Yes. So aside from those types of books, what I want to focus on in this is that there are plenty of Christian themes in good literature. If you were an English teacher at some point in your life. Who, me? Maybe you would have taught that in your class. Well, one book that comes to mind, one of my favorite books to teach, I have read this book like probably 30-something or 40-something times, Lord of the Flies. I first read it in high school, of course, and then I read it again in college and then excerpts in college for, it was like a philosophy class or something, and I was reading excerpts from Lord of the Flies. Anyway, um, that book, you have like a Christ figure, you have evil and overcoming evil and all kinds of themes. And not all the themes are Christian, definitely not, but a lot of them are. Yeah, that's great. And what we want to realize there is good book, great book, Christian themes. And then there are Christian books that are just not very good. Well, when Steve and I worked at a Christian school years ago, I was the English teacher, and I was given the textbook, and it was a Christian textbook. Was it a Becca? Uh, I don't know. know. It was a Christian textbook, and I was flipping through it before the year started, trying to figure out what I wanted to use from it, and I was like, what is this? I've, like, I've heard of these authors, but I've never heard of these like short stories and excerpts. Because I think two things were in play here. One, they were trying to find short stories and poetry and whatnot that didn't have anything questionable in it, which can be difficult to find. And two, I don't think the Christian publishing company had the kind of money to spend on the more popular short stories and poetry. And so we shouldn't dismiss good literature because it doesn't have a Christian label. But I would also say that there might be, could be, good Christian literature out there. Yeah, if anybody knows of any, let me know. (laughs) I mean, we've read Christian books and we've talked about Christian books on this podcast, and we would say that those are usually good. Well, well, okay, nonfiction, I would would say. I've read some really good nonfiction Christian books. Fiction, again, if anybody has a recommendation of Christian fiction that is legitimately good, I'm curious. Yeah, it's out. It could be out there, and we're not saying it's not. The other thing that comes to mind when we're talking about Christian media— is more recent, as in social media. Yes, and again, I think that things become trends and popular because there is an audience. And I think there is a huge audience out there in social media 
for Christian women influencers. And these Christian women influencers know what their audience wants. You know, they want them to be pretty. They want them to be in shape. They want them to have a beautiful family with beautiful clothes, maybe occasionally matching clothing, definitely matching pajamas. And, but then also have faith in God and be like, you know, Jesus lover, this and that on their bio, right? Because there's an audience there, Christian women influencers is definitely a thing. Now, I guess our message is just because someone is a Christian influencer doesn't mean that they're a perfect human. Doesn't even mean that they're someone you should follow necessarily. Or that they're promoting good products. Right. That is the darn truth. I mean, I can think of one person in particular who claims, claims, I mean, is a Christian, whatever, and it's Walmart this and Walmart that. And if you guys have been listening to our podcast, you know that we're not huge fans of Walmart just because of the way they treat their employees, the benefits that they give or don't give their employees, the way they use their money, how much the CEO makes versus how much an hourly person makes, you know, these huge, huge chasms, I would call them. And so things like that. And although it may not be as big as the Yellow Pages or what the Yellow Pages used to be, if you look for it, you can find Christian Yellow Pages or ChristianPages.com where it's only Christian businesses and only businesses who are pro-gospel and pro-life. I just don't even know how I feel about that. I think that, you know, my interpretation of the gospel and Jesus's message is that we are to love everyone and to, to reach out and not seclude ourselves, not put ourselves into a, a bubble. So, and again, going back to that verse, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me to hate the world. And so I wrestle with that in my own life. Like, what does that mean? I think we should love. I think we should focus on love more than anything. I think that's what Jesus would want us to do. And loving others doesn't mean going to christianpages.com and only supporting Christian businesses. What about going out and making relationships with other humans, maybe humans that you disagree with? And maybe you can teach them something and they can teach you something and our conversation can broaden and become more robust and healthier. And we're not saying that supporting people that you like or that you know is bad. Oh gosh, we do it all the time. Like if someone we know is running a business, it's like, let's try to buy from them. Like we want to support them. Like Southern Pine Swings Company, shout out, plug. Our friend Zach West in Florida makes these beautiful wooden swings. Yeah. Is he a Christian? Sure. That's not why we promote it. It's well, a he's good, a good human. It's a good product. Yeah. There's a difference too. When you go to get your house fixed, something goes bad. Plumbing goes bad. You need new windows. You want someone who's good at what they do, not just a Christian. Right, right, right. And just because someone is a Christian certainly does not mean that they are an expert in their craft. So remember that through all of this Christian media that we've talked about, that it is an industry. An industry is just another form of business. This is just Christian business. And 
more on the business than the Christian side in general. It is not some altruistic enterprise that only helps people. Are there things and people out there that do put their profits where they say they they have their values? Yes. Yes. And we're asking you and we're reminding ourselves to be more aware of those kinds of things. Where are they putting their profits? Because at the end of the day, yes, it's an industry. People are making money. And if God truly desires excellence from us, he desires that from all of his creation, not just the Christians. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jen. Keep the conversation going.